Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Oh, praise His holy name. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I'm going to warn you, that's just our starting place this morning. And uh, just want to draw something from uh, Ephesians chapter 4. But as you're turning, I want us to be reminded... Uh, by the way, it's good to see Kathy, Karen, it's good to see you, and uh, bless your heart, we've been praying for you, and I'm glad to see you up and out, and it's good to see our world travelers have made it back from Greece over here, and uh, I would ask you to be praying for Travis, uh, our youth pastor, and Daniel Castellucci, and a number of the students from Fresta Valley uh, Christian School, they are in Guatemala uh, this week on a missions trip, and so if you'd pray for them, I know that they would appreciate your prayers. Uh, as we get started this morning, I want to kind of just remind us uh, of our initial imperatives uh, on all the topics we've been talking about in our series on family matters, uh, all the topics up to this point and our topics going forward, and so just remind yourself, avail yourself of them if you want to take a picture of those. Uh, I can tell you that those imperatives will be good for you, no matter whether we're doing a series on family matters or whatever we're talking about. And uh, number one, God is God and I am not. Amen? Anybody think you're God today? Okay, good. God is God and I am not. Number two, the Bible is God's word. It's sharper. It's more powerful than a two-edged sword. It, it, it is a, a divider of soul and spirit. It is a discerner or a knower of our hearts and our tents. And so it is his word. And uh, number three, God's thoughts and his ways are higher and much holier than our thoughts and ways. Not only are they higher, uh, but they're holier than our thoughts on a regular basis. And then number four, our thoughts and ways, sometimes they seem right. Sometimes we make educated guesses. Sometimes we think we're smarter than the average bear, so to speak. Uh, but we're, our, our thoughts and our ways are nothing compared to God's. In fact, the Bible says there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. And then lastly, we've been saying that it is God. It is God who builds the home. And if we try, if we labor to build it on our own without Him, without His Word, without His Spirit, we are laboring in vain. In other words, it is useless for you and I to try to build something that we are incapable of building uh, without God's help. And so with that being said, uh, we're going to look here in Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, Gordon, for praying. Uh, here's the thing. On Wednesday night since January, um, really right after New Year's, on January the 4th, we've been walking our way through Paul's letter uh, to the Ephesians. We're currently, by the way, we started January the 4th. Uh, it is today, June the 11th. We just are in the midst of chapter 5. And so it's been a journey, uh, but uh, it's been a huge blessing to me, and I pray it's been a blessing to all those who have 
uh, made the effort to be out on Wednesday nights. It's been great just walking day, uh, week by week through different passages. And a few weeks ago, if you remember, I was talking to you about unbiblical anger. And I talked about the dangers of anger, and it was really quiet in here. Like when I, when I said the word danger and anger, everybody got quiet. And then a couple weeks uh, ago, I talked about uh, really some biblical ways that we could communicate within the family. And not only within the family, but uh, uh, biblical ways that we can communicate with others in life. And, and uh, as I was preparing for this week's message, I was reminded something. The reason I referenced Ephesians is because I was reminded of something that we really kind of dug down into uh, a couple of weeks ago here at the end of chapter 4 in Ephesians and as we get into chapter 5 and so I believe it'll pave the way uh, for our discussion this morning. So look with me at the end of Ephesians chapter 4. Draw your attention at to verse number 29. Verse number 29 and the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good... To the use of edifying, the word edifying means to build or to build up that which is good for building someone up that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Bible goes on and says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. Notice these words, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake. Watch that last phrase. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now keep reading chapter 5. Look at verse number 1. Goes on. The Bible goes on. says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk, watch it, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has, here we go, has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And there's three words. There's three words. If you guys will put back up verse number one, there's three words in verse number one that I want to draw your attention to. Now, if you're saying, hey, man, I got this a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday, uh, you just get a bonus refresher course, okay? Like all, all the guys and all the ladies that are saying, hey, I already know what three words you're going to pick on. Uh, it's okay. You can get a refresher, Okay. So look at these three words because I believe they're worthy of our attention. The first word in verse number one that I want you to see is the word therefore. The word therefore comes from the Greek word un. That's how you say it, un. And it simply means accordingly, so then, or therefore. Anytime in scripture, typically it starts with a therefore, not uh, and, there, and be ye therefore. It typically starts with a therefore, but whenever we see a therefore in scripture, we have to ask, it's funny, Barry said it in Sunday school this morning, we have to ask, what's it there for, right? And so this word therefore, the word un, is serving as a conjunction. Anybody remember, uh, I mean, I don't know if they even have it on TV anymore, but when I was a kid, conjunction, junction, what's your function? You got to be older than 55. The young people are like, what is that? They're like, that dude up there is old. He's singing songs about uh, grammar. Uh, listen, it's a conjunction and it serves as a connector. Watch this. It serves here in verse 1 as a connector of what has just been said in the end of chapter 4 to what is being said now. Therefore, since it says to be you kind, 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you, we get to verse 1. It says, therefore, the second word that I want us to see is the word followers. It says, therefore, be followers. That word followers comes from the Greek word mimetes. It's mimetes, and it literally means imitator. It says, watch, get ready to pick it up. If you're going to, if you're going to be kind, if you're going to be tender-hearted, if you're going to be forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you, you're going to have to be a follower, a mimetes of God. You're going to have to become an imitator of God because guess what? You and I, on our own, many times, we're not very kind. Anybody? You ever been rude to somebody? Come on, say, I've been rude. There's, there's, always, there's always a couple say, I will not say these words. By the way, I can see you. I can see you obstinate ones today. We've all, we've all fallen and come short of the glory of God. And sometimes we fall and come short of the glory of God, even in the way that we respond to other people, right? So if we're going to be kind, if we're going to be tenderhearted, if we're going to forgive one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us, then we're going to have to imitate. It's where we get the word mimic. It, we're going to have to imitate our Heavenly Father. Isn't that what the Bible says? For God so loved. The world. What did he do because he loved the world? He sent his only begotten son so that whosoever believeth in him would not perish. That's the type of love that we're talking about here. And then the last word that I want us to see here in verse number one is the word be. It actually comes from the word genomai and it means to cause to be, to generate, or to become. This word actually speaks of commitment, devotion, or allegiance. Therefore, it involves an act of surrender. So put up verse number one. Watch verse number one again, guys. It says, be ye therefore followers. So guess what? In light of what was just said, to be ye kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving, in light of it, the Bible says, be a follower, an imitator of God. Because if you're not following God, if you're not imitating, if you're not mimicking what God has done for you, the chances are you and I will not be kind, you and I will not be tenderhearted, you and I will not be forgiving. And so the point is straightforward here. And while there's a great deal that is being said in this verse of Scripture, I want us to know that one of the greatest opportunities that you and I have to follow God the greatest opportunities that we have to follow him, and as verse number two says, to walk in love is to imitate or to mimic what God has done through being kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to us. Amen? And so with that said, listen, we're talking about these three little words that sometimes are are, are not found in the family unit, and sometimes they're not found outside of the family unit, and those words are, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Have you ever needed to ask for forgiveness and yet you failed to do it? I've been there, done that, and thought, well, I'll just, I'll just sweep it under the proverbial rug. No, we have to be willing to follow God, become imitators of God, who for Christ's sake also forgave us. And you know, it's okay to say, please forgive me. And, and on, the, on the flip side, it's okay to exercise and to extend forgiveness as God for Christ's sake has done the same thing to us. During this series, I have been saying family matters because families matter to God. 
You know that families are important to God? They are so important to God. In fact, our very own, many of you don't know David Overton, but many years ago, Dr. David Overton was a member here at Battlefield Baptist Church, and, and he had a number of health problems. But in his book, Jesus, A Pattern for Living, he was talking about the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. And when he's talking about Jesus and the family, he concluded by saying, when Jesus rested on the seventh day, he had created family. Therefore, his ultimate creation was not simply mankind, it was family. He brought man and woman together to create husband and wife. And, and so there's a beautiful picture of God's love and his purpose and his blessing on the family. And as such, he has extended and offered forgiveness to us through his only begotten son, Jesus. And you know what? He wants us to do the same. He wants us to offer and to extend forgiveness within the family. Uh, notice the word forgive means, notice what it means here. It means to give up resentment against. Have you ever resented somebody or something? Anybody? I, I'll be honest. You know, we can get angry with, with a tool. We, anybody ever gotten angry at a yard tool? I, I've come to resent this one weed eater that I have. It does not want to behave. I purchased it. We've serviced it. It, it. it has a mind of its own. And some days it likes to behave and some days it doesn't. And, and you know what? If I can get angry with a weed eater, how much more so am I to be cautioned about becoming angry with maybe my wife or maybe my children or maybe somebody in the marketplace or a neighbor, whatever the case may be. It's, a, it's definitely a topic that we need to kind of give attention to. The word forgive means to give up resentment against an offender or the desire to punish. That's where it is sometimes, the desire to punish somebody. Somebody does us wrong. How many times have you had some situation happen in your life at work? Listen, remember you're in God's house, so before you try to lie, listen, uh, remember you're in God's house. How many times have you had a situation come up at work and you get angry and you get frustrated and you're thinking, man, and you have to bite your tongue, you have to bite your lip, you have to keep your teeth clenched because in some way you're hoping that somebody else gets what's coming to them. Anybody? Oh, yeah, nobody had that problem. Only me, only me. Listen, the idea of pardoning someone. Number two, to cancel a debt or claim of vengeance. This is exactly, when God gave uh, Christ to die on the cross for our sins, this is exactly what he did. He sent his son and he gave up claim for vengeance through his son Jesus Christ. That's what he's done for you and for me and he wants us to do the same thing. Notice what God's word says about this. In 1 John chapter 4, these are great passages. I would encourage you to write them down. The Bible says in verse number 10, herein is love. Here it comes. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be, here's a big word, propitiation. That literally means that he sent him to be an expiator or an atonement or, or, or better yet, the compensation. That's the best way to understand, as the atonement or compensation for our sins. But here's what I want you to see. Look at verse number 11. Because verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, how? If God so loved us, how? By sending his son, Jesus Christ, then we ought also to love one another. Do you see the connection there? 
God sent his son to be the compensation for our sins. And if God can love us in that way, and Ephesians says that we're to follow God and walk in love, oh, that's the same thing. We're seeing the same thing here in this verse. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, the Bible puts it this way, saying, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened or made alive together with him, having, here we go, having forgiven you all trespasses. In other words, that word forgiveness means in kindness, God pardoned you. In kindness, God pardoned me. And it says, blotting out, verse number 14, this is a great verse, it says, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us. That, that phrase, blotting out, means that God not only wiped it away, he obliterated all reference to our sin. He, he took it and he blotted it out. Anybody ever use a magic eraser? You think magic erasers are wonderful. Our God takes our sin and he not only blots them out, he wipes them away never to remember them anymore. Notice he says he blotted them out, the ordinance that was written against us, which was contrary to us. And here's a beautiful picture at the end of verse number 14. And took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. In other words, Jesus, he lifted it up and he carried it away as a great weightlifter, as somebody who was able to lift a great weight. He lifted the weight of our sin. And as a ship that set sail to sea, he carried it away and carried it away so that you and I would never be condemned under it anymore. That's what forgiveness is all about. Whew, I might get excited about what Jesus did. I'm trying to get you to see the importance of forgiveness because just as when I talked about anger and just as I talked about communication, it is deadly quiet in this place today talking about forgiveness. Do you know what I know? I'm not the smartest or the sharpest tool in the shed, but do you know what I know? When believers, when followers of Christ get real quiet, it's probably most of the time because we struggle with what we're talking about. Am I right? We struggle with it. That's why we're talking about it. And it's okay. This is not, this is not a beat down session. This is a, a beat me session because we all need this. We have to protect ourselves if we're going to follow God as, as, as he, he instructs us here in Ephesians chapter 5. We have to follow him, and the first way that we were told there was to follow him in love as Christ has loved us and given himself this sacrifice. And, and Jesus took our sin and canceled our debt, and he carried it away. Colossians 1.14 puts it this way, saying, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness, the freedom, the deliverance, the pardon of sins. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3 real quick. Romans chapter 3. I want you to see something, and then we'll get back to... Uh, our passage here, Romans chapter 3. And when you get there, look with me at verse 21. In verse 21, we could, read, we could read longer, but let's just go to verse 21. And the Bible says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Look at verse 23, very familiar. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
verse 24, being justified. That word justified means being rendered innocent, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption uh, that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. There it is, atoning victim, if you please. In other words, God literally, notice what it says, God has set forth to be whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. And so in other words, it pleased God to set his son forth to be the victim, to be the compensation in order that he might forgive us. You can go to Isaiah 53 and read all about that in verse number 10, that it pleased God for Jesus to do all these things through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. And so we've seen this word a couple of times and I need to point it out to you that this word pro, uh, uh, propitiation in these verses is a reference all the way back to Leviticus chapter 16. When it talks in Leviticus chapter 16 about the mercy seat and, and the holy of holies. But in the New Testament passages that we're reading, obviously we're in Romans chapter 3, but in the, in the New Testament passages, what the scripture is telling us is that by shedding his blood, by Jesus shedding his blood for the remission of sins, for my forgiveness, for your forgiveness, for my pardon and your pardon, Jesus has become our mercy seat once and not only once, but once and for all. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? He forgives once and for all. Listen, how do we forgive many times? Many times we say we forgive and then we hold, we hold, that, we hold that promise of forgiveness in our pocket like it's some kind, of a, some kind of a poker chip and when we get in a bad way, we're going to flip it back out and remind the person that we forgave, don't you remember? Don't you remember how I forgave you last time? Hey, just forgive again. Just forgive again. Well, I don't have it in me to forgive again. That's not the right answer as we'll see here in just a second biblically. But I put in my notes, why would God for Christ's sake forgive us? Why would God for Christ's sake forgive us? I'll give you a clue. It's a one word answer. Love. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. While we were yet sinners. Romans 5. Right? Tells us why we were yet sinners, why we were ungodly. God commendeth his love to us. He proved his love to us. He man, manifested his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so this issue of forgiveness, this issue of love, this is the same type of love that God is calling us to walk in. In 1 John chapter 2, I want you to notice these verses. The Bible says in beginning in verse number 1, it says, My little children... I love John writes, my little children. He says, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Aren't you glad we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus? He says, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. And he, here we go again, he is the propitiation, the atonement or the compensation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for also the sins of the whole world. Verse number three, and hereby we do know. You can know this. You can bank on it. He says, hereby we do know that we know him. How? If we 
keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So let's go back for a second, trying to tie this up here. Go back to Ephesians 4 and verse 32. The Bible says, be ye kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. In other words, you and I are to exercise forgiveness the same way that you and I have received it ourselves. And the only way we can do that, the only way is when we follow God and walk in love. And I know some of you are saying, well, Pastor, I'm not sure I agree with that. Because that was Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And I hear it's God's word. But I don't see it in red in my Bible. I'm glad you said that. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Somebody turn to Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see it in red. So that you'll be convinced that this is what God wants us to do. This, this idea of forgiveness is what God wants us to do. He wants us to exercise it. During his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made it abundantly clear in Matthew chapter 6. When you get there, look down at verse number 14. Verse number 14. Jesus said, for if you forgive men their trespasses, you see it there? Somebody say, I see it. Okay. He said, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. You see, it's inconceivable to think that somebody who has been saved by the amazing grace, that somebody who has received uh, uh, atonement and, and payment for their own sins would be so uh, opposed to offering that same type of love and forgiveness to somebody else, but yet that's what we do many times. And you know where we do it the most? We do it the most with the people that we love the most. That's what's crazy. And you know who loves that? That dirty, rotten devil. He loves it because he's walking about and he hates you and he hates your family. He hates this church. He hates me because he knows that every time I open this book, I'm going to give it to you gun barrel straight. So he hates that. But let me just tell you this. I want us to walk in love. Not to be uh, uh, sissies or anything. To be biblical. A lot of people say, I hear that pastor talking a lot about love. They need to read their Bible. I hear that pastor. I'm not asking anybody to walk in love in a way that's not consistent with the truth. In fact, if, we, if all we do is love people, we're a hypocrite. If all we do is beat them down with the truth over time, we're just bullies. I mean, we don't have to be a bully about this. I don't think I ever find Jesus being a bully with anybody. He was full of grace and truth. By the way... God's grace gives us what we do not deserve. And in mercy, God's mercy withholds what we do deserve. Can I tell you this? And we're going to say something here in a minute. I'm not trying to minimize or disrespect or put down what you may have gone through in your life. Anybody here ever been hurt? I have. Anybody been hurt? It's hard. It's hard sometimes to look at, like, I know, Pastor, we're supposed to pray for our enemies and those that despitefully use us, but man, it's just tough. It's hard to exercise forgiveness sometimes. But it doesn't make it any less true from Scripture. Our, our, our obligation, as I'll say here in a minute, 
we're, we're, it's not an option when it comes to God's word. It's an obligation that we'll see here in just a second. Oh, listen, mercy withholds what we don't deserve. I think about in Matthew chapter 18, and I was going to have you turn there, but just think about this. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is teaching his disciples on how to deal with somebody who trespasses against them. And there's a passage there that goes on, and some of you may recall this passage. And when he finishes, in, uh, when he finishes talking, then uh, who do you think of the disciples is the first one to say something? Yeah, when he finishes his teaching on this, Peter, you know what, we give Peter a bum rap, but you know what, at least Peter, at least Peter got out of the boat. I didn't see none of those other jokers trying to walk on water. We, we got to be careful about beating old Peter down. But you know what? Peter says, see, because Peter has a conception about forgiveness. See, the Jewish people taught that you were to forgive people three times, but never a fourth. <laughs> How would that work in your life? How would that work if, if, if your wife only forgave you three times? Men, ladies, how would that work in your life if your husband or your children? Or children, how would that work if your parents only forgave you three times and not a fourth? But that was his understanding. From a Jewish perspective, that was what was taught. That you, you forgive people three times but never a fourth. And so Jesus is teaching about what to do if somebody trespasses against you to go to that person and if that person will hear you. And if he doesn't hear you, then take a couple of people. And if he doesn't hear you, you know, and on and on it goes. Well, when he finishes teaching, Peter says this in verse 21. He asks the question, he says, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? But notice what he says. He doesn't say three times as he's been taught. He ups the ante. Peter would have only understood to forgive three times plus one, right? He says never, never to forgive a fourth. So what does he do? He doubles it plus one. He says till seven times. And then Jesus says this in verse number 22. He says, I say not unto thee uh, until seven times, but until 70 times seven. 490 times. I know some of you math experts out there have already figured out 490 times. Folks, that's a lot of sin. That's a lot of hurt, and that's a lot of forgiveness. What Jesus is teaching here in this moment, please pick it up. What he's teaching in this moment is that forgiveness should never be limited. If you are sitting, sir, if you have a tab, if you have an app on your phone that is counting out how many times you need to forgive your wife, you're in trouble. Ma'am, if you have an app and you're counting how many times your husband uh, needs to be forgiven, you've probably already passed the 490 mark. It's never going to work. Jesus wasn't saying keep a calculator at the ready and when you get to 490, just stop it. What he was saying, what he was intimating, what he was inferring was you just keep on forgiving people. In fact, there's a passage of scripture in Luke that says if a man continues to sin against you and he, and he continually comes back to repent and to repent and to repent, it tells us just to keep on forgiving him. Forgiveness is important to God. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 because we've got to wrap this up. Colossians chapter 3. And when you get to Colossians chapter 3, in my Bible it's on 763. That'll give you a, a kind of a ballpark figure where it's at there. 
in Colossians chapter 3. When you get there, I want you to drop down. Look at verse number 12. In verse number 12, see, here, here's where you and I are reminded, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I, I mentioned it a moment ago, but this is the passage where you and I are reminded that forgiveness isn't an option. It's actually an obligation, okay? So watch what Paul is saying to the church at Coloss. He says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. That speaks of compassion. He says, don't only put on bowels of mercy. He says, put on kindness, humbleness of mind. By the way, humbleness of mind at its base level, excuse me, at its base level is speaking of sympathy. Have a little sympathy for somebody else is what Paul is saying. And then he talks about meekness or humility. And then he says long-suffering. This is talking about a good-natured tolerance or patience. How many people struggle with patience with other people? Anybody you like to lose your patience? Like, oh, I've had it up to here, right? He says, he says put on long-suffering. Notice this, verse 13. He says, forbearing one another. In other words, he's talking about the, the, the idea that as believers, when we put all these things on, that we need to endure, we need to put up with other people. Have you ever had to put up with somebody? I'm just tired of putting up with it, right? That's what he's saying. He said, just put up with somebody. And then notice he says, here we go. And forgiving one another. Now stop here for just a second. That word where it says forgiving one another, the word forgiving here means to grant as a favor that is gratuitously without good reason. Without good reason in kindness. There's no earthly reason why you should forgive somebody. That's what that verse is saying. But in kindness, no good reason. You don't have to have a reason. Forgive. That's strong. That's strong. But look, it doesn't stop there. Because it says, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, why? Even as God, or even as Christ forgave you, notice it says, so also do ye. It's not an option. Forgiveness is an obligation that we have when we are in Christ, when we were walking in the Spirit, when we, were, when we are walking according to the Word of God, if we are going to be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us, then we have to be followers of God as dear children. We, in other words, we imitate our Heavenly Father. And number one way that the Bible says to imitate our Heavenly Father is to walk in love as Christ has loved us and given a sacrifice, an offering. A sacrifice to God for us. It was Anne Lamott in her book, Traveling Mercy, some thoughts on faith. She said these words. She said, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. And here's the thing. I think most of us know that we're supposed to forgive. And I think most believers know what God's word has to say about forgiveness. But in the end, here's what we do. We end up giving in, giving in to the flesh. See, what we do is we're like, I'm so angry. 
I'm so frustrated. I want them to pay. I want them to, I want them to feel a little bit of my pain. I, I'm so hurt. I can't believe they let me down like that. I can't believe they treated me like that. Son, I, I can't believe you acted like that. Honey, daughter, I can't believe you responded that way. And so what we do is we get so frustrated. We get so angry. We get so aggravated at what's going on. And instead of walking in the spirit, instead of following God, we decide to follow our own personal fleshly desires that say, I want them to hurt. And then we want to know why nobody believes we're following Christ. Forgiveness is pretty important. We're not very good at it. In fact, we tend to give so many excuses why we can't give up or get over or get past something in order to forgive. Here are some of the excuses Rapid fire, this person hurt me badly. That's one of the excuses we give. This person hurt me badly. Listen, again, I'm not trying to minimize anybody's pain, but why do you want to linger in the land of hurt? Give it up. Somebody hurts you, you're only hurting yourself by holding yourself captive to that hurt. And you got to let it go. Let Let me just say this. Do you ever think... Listen, there are a number of guys who have served Ken and, and Gary and others in this room and others in our church who have served in the pastorate. Were you ever hurt serving in ministry? Mark, were you ever hurt? Well, I already know the answer to that one. Gary, were you ever hurt? And I know Herb is shouting from Houston, Texas this morning. He was hurt. Larry, have you ever been hurt in ministry? You know what? You gotta forgive. Because if you don't, it will rip you apart on the inside. Listen, nobody has, has a cachet on being hurt all to themselves. We've all been through hurt, but why would you want to live and linger in the land of hurt? Listen, turn the situation over to God, because I can guarantee you he can do a much better job dealing with it than you can. Right? In fact, it was C.S. Lewis who put it this way. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. Oh, man, just exercise some forgiveness. Here's another one. I have to heal first. That's a myth. I have to heal first. It's a myth. God wants to bring healing. You want to know how he wants to bring it? It's this big word called forgiveness. Forgiveness is the instrument that he wants to bring healing to your life. And, and what we do is we have the answer right here. It's like, it's like taking an open book test. Anybody ever take an open book exam in school? It's like the teacher made the mistake. You can open up your book and take the test. Either the teacher is fooling you and none of the questions are coming from the book uh, or something else is, is, is at play here. But I loved it when professors in college say, you know what, you can have, you can have note cards. I remember taking a class, pneumatology. Doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And a professor, and he, I, I, you know, I won't say his name because he's serving as a pastor. He might watch this and say, oh, man, you know. But, but anyway, he said that we could have note cards. He said you could have, I think it was three or five note cards he said you could have. And they had to be the three by fives. But what he didn't understand, that I was going to get creative. I got me one of those whole sheet label deals, right? And I typed out notes from the chapter at six-point font. And THS will forever be the Holy Spirit to me because I abbreviated on my notes. I'm like, THS this, THS this, THS that. 
So we get ready for the exam, and it wasn't open book, but it was these, you could have these cards. And so I see these, these guys, these, these guys that are coming to take the exam, and they've written, scribbled down some notes on three-by-five cards, and they've got them out. The professor walks by mine, and I've got them lined up like it's, like it's some like serious deal there. And I've got the sticker on He picks up one of my cards. He's like, very creative. <laughs> just walk, and he just walks by. He just walks by. Here's the reality, guys. If we are not walking in the Spirit, if we are not paying attention to what God's Word has to say in this regard, we will not forgive. To heal first is a myth. Here's another one. I want revenge. We've already talked about that. This is why many people truly never forgive. But we must trust God to do what he, what he can and uh, what he says about this subject of forgiveness. In fact, in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 19, the Bible says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You don't need to worry about getting revenge. If any revenge is needed, don't worry. God's got a better uh, uh, system of dealing with it than you. Okay? Number, the next one really didn't number these. In time, it will heal. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because here's what happened. You'll harbor it. It will become a thing with you. And it may become, by the way, uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, dismissing the use of time bringing physical healing for all of our healthcare workers, right? Stay off the foot. Don't do this. Don't do that. Time helps to promote physical healing, but time will not help to promote emotionally, mental, or spiritual wounds. If we don't deal with these wounds properly, something may happen a year from now or even, no, or even longer that will trigger those same emotions, and you'll find yourself back at the cusp of uh, being hurt. In fact, what will happen invariably, if it's somebody outside of the home that hurts you and you never forgive them, you know what? You, you may go a while, but you'll run into that person in Walmart. You'll run into that person at the grocery store. You'll run into that person somewhere. And, and as soon as you see that person, that wound will be fresh, just like it happened again. So forgiveness is the tool that God, the instrument that God wants to use to bring healing into your life. Here's another one. Where's the justice? I'll tell you what, the justice is found in the risen Savior who gave his life for mine and for yours. Let, let the God of all justice take care of it. And then the last one, here's one that folks uh, say a lot of times, it's not fair. Pastor, you're asking me to forgive somebody. It's just not fair. Forgiveness has nothing to do with being fair. It's all about grace and mercy. Fairness is never mentioned one time when it comes to the idea or topic of forgiveness. Listen, and since we're on the idea of fairness, can everybody in this room agree that I don't think it was fair for Jesus to have to die on the cross? And yet Jesus modeled suffering. He modeled suffering so that you and I could see what forgiveness really looked like. In fact, thinking about the cross, his words on the cross serve as our highest example of forgiveness. In Luke chapter 23 and verse number 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I put in my notes those 10 words. Those 10 words spoken by Jesus. Those 10 words take away 
They take away any opportunity for you and I to make excuses as to why you and I do not or will not request or why you and I will not extend forgiveness. But unfortunately, many times, instead of forgiving someone who has hurt us or, or, or whatever, uh, like I said a moment ago, we want that person to suffer uh, or we want that person to, uh, to endure some inordinate amount of sorrow or remorse before we'll even consider forgiving them. But I can tell you, that's a, that's a problem too, because here's the deal. If all I want is somebody to suffer, if all I want is somebody to hurt, and, and I don't ever see that, here's what happens. If I don't see somebody suffering, if I don't see somebody hurting or receiving what I think is due to them for hurting me, then you know what? I live in the land of Ephesians 4.31. You guys got that verse? Show Ephesians 4.31. Show it up if we've got it up there. Ephesians 4.31, it says that we live in bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. So see, if, if, if I'm always waiting for somebody to feel the pain or to feel the hurt that they have exercised on me, and I never believe that they have hurt or felt that pain to, to, to the degree that I want them to feel it, right? Then I'm still living in the land of wrath. I'm still living in the land of bitterness, Oh, listen, we need to live in the land of kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. Biblically, the idea of forgiving someone involves treating the offense as though it were never committed and declaring that we will bury it forever and ever rather than harboring hatred, anger, or bitterness. And the only way that we can do that is by following God. That's the only way we can do it. In fact, it, ironically, here, here's another one. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. We know that we need forgiveness. We know that we want forgiveness, but sometimes we're very slow to extend it. For those of you who like to take pictures, I'm going to share a couple of slides here as we close. And I, I hope this will be a blessing to you. This was shared with me many years ago by a pastor friend from Mason, Ohio. And he sent me some things and talked about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. And as you see, the list is pretty straightforward. What forgiveness is, complete forgiveness, being aware of what someone has done and still forgiving them, choosing to forgive even when you do not feel like it, refusing to punish the person, being very cautious in telling anyone about what someone did. By the way, retelling your story of somebody hurting you can be a way of revenge. Because you know what we like to do? We like to embellish. Anybody ever embellished a story before? Anybody? How, where are our fishermen out here? I know you jokers are full of embellishment. Yeah, Jacob, I know you embellish. Like, baby, I caught me a big one today. A little bluegill. <laughs> right, you come home, you're like, you ain't feeding the family with that. <laughs> right? But we like to embellish stories. Can I tell you, when we retell our story to someone else, you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to make someone else look bad. Most of the time. And so we have to be careful of that. The other one is we need to remember that complete forgiveness is a demonstration of grace and mercy. Also, complete forgiveness, next slide, is an issue of the heart. It's the absence of bitterness, a demonstration of faith. By the way, faith obeys God regardless of feelings, circumstances, or consequences. 
It's not, it's not pleasant sometimes to exercise forgiveness, but it's needful. And then lastly, following the example of Jesus Christ. Now here are the ones that you're probably looking for. What complete forgiveness is not? Here it is, an approval of what somebody did. You're not, you're not giving an approval of what somebody did. Forgiveness is not approving what they have done to you or what they have done to somebody else. It's not excusing what they did. It's not justifying what they did. In fact, when you think about reconciliation, it's not reconciliation. Because reconciliation, if you go to Matthew chapter 18, and if you go to that passage that I talked to you in, about in Luke, there was a repentance there in the passage of Luke, and there's also this idea of going mano a mano with your friend, and if they hear you, then they have gained a brother. If they don't, then you've got to take two or three so that every word can be established. And on and on the process goes. So it's not reconciliation because it requires all participation from, or participation from all the parties. In fact, vertically, we express to God our willingness to forgive ASAP, and then horizontally, forgiveness is experienced when the offender asks for it. You say, well, there's somebody who hurt me a long time ago. We've never been reconciled. That's probably the reason why. You all probably have stopped communicating, you know. Uh, here's what forgiveness is not also, denying what they did, forgetting what they did, or pretending we are not hurt, or removing the consequences. Again, let the Lord deal let him have and take care of the consequences. I close with this. The time to forgive is now. Right now. You say, you mean like Sunday morning at 11 a.m. right now? Yeah. The time to forgive is right now. You see, because no matter whether the hurt and pain is coming that you've experienced has come from within the home or whether the hurt and pain that you may still be experiencing has come from outside of the home, the reality is that everyone around us, watch this, everyone around us suffers when we fail or refuse to forgive. There's no man, there's no woman that lives unto themselves, and no man or no woman that dies unto themselves. So when we fail to forgive somebody, when we fail to extend forgiveness, now I'm not talking about, listen, you know what? There are people who have come in and out of my life that I haven't seen that have hurt me and hurt me bad. And you know what? I haven't talked to them. There hasn't been that reconciliation. But you know what? I have gotten on my knees and said, I give it to you, Lord. It's okay. It's okay. As Barry said, I'm just an earthen vessel. I'm just a jar of clay. I'm just a jar of clay, Lord. And so you want to mold me and make me after your will. You want to break me. Whatever it is, Lord, you're in charge. I'm not. And so there's an impetus here where we ought to be forgiving one another and so it doesn't matter because if I fail to forgive listen don't you think my funny little honey she's going to know that I'm withholding forgiveness she's going to know listen I remember years ago when I started feeling God's call for me to after I retired to go to Bible college which was a crazy thought to me I was like what are you doing I'd wake up in the middle of the night I was like not me Lord send Chuck send somebody else I was like, send somebody else. When I finally got to the point where I told her what the Lord was doing in my heart, she says, I know. She said, you know, I sleep with you, right? And I said, what's that got to do with it? She says, you toss and you turn, you mumble. She said, she said I, I, I know the Lord's working on your heart about this. It's not a surprise to me. I was like, oh, man, I thought it was a surprise because it was kind of shocking to me. I was like, I thought everybody would be like Cousin Eddie. We wouldn't be more surprised if we woke up tomorrow with our heads sewn to the carpet. I was like, man, what's going on? She said, no, I'm not surprised. This is what God is doing 
If we don't forgive, people around us will know. So I ask three questions. Number one, is there anyone that you need to forgive this morning? Maybe a husband or a wife, a child, a parent, a sibling, someone else in your family. Maybe, maybe you need to forgive somebody in your workplace. Maybe you need to forgive a neighbor or somebody else. Or Maybe, watch this, maybe you need to forgive somebody here in this church. Let me ask this question. Maybe you're here today and maybe you need to ask somebody to forgive you. Maybe you need to say, man, I blew it. Will you forgive me? I blew it. I'm apologizing. Will you forgive me as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us? Will you do that? Will you offer, will you extend forgiveness to me? Maybe that's what you need to do. And, and then lastly, maybe you're here and maybe you've never called out. Maybe you've never asked the Lord to forgive you. Maybe you've heard a lot about Jesus. Maybe you know that God sent his son to die for you and, and you've heard the scripture and, and you know that if we'll call out upon the name of the Lord that we shall be saved. And you, you know all of these things, but you've yet to do it. Can I tell you, just knowing about Jesus, and I want to say this as lovingly as I can, just knowing about Jesus will send us to uh, eternity separated from God in an awful place called hell. It's not about knowing about Jesus. It's about knowing him and having a relationship with him. And he's offered it. And it's free. It's crazy. It cost him everything and cost us nothing. We did nothing to provide it. We do nothing to gain it. He's given it to us by his amazing grace. The Bible says that we call out upon the name of the Lord and we should be saved. We should be forgiven. That's as simple as I can make it. And to be honest, I didn't have to make it simple because God's word, that's exactly what his word says. The heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with mouth confession is made unto salvation. Oh, listen, if you need forgiveness from the Lord, I'm begging you right now, we're going to pray, and I'm asking you to do business with the Lord. Don't play games with anybody else. Just ask the Lord, Lord, I hear what he said. I'm reminded that you love me, that you died for me, you gave yourself for me. And the Bible over and over says that you, you were the atonement, you were the compensation that was needed to purchase my freedom and my forgiveness, and I'm asking you to forgive me. And if you're here and you know that you need to forgive somebody else, whether they be here or they be somewhere afar, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to be bold and to do it right where you are or to come to the altar and pray. There'll be people who will be willing to pray with you. This is a, this is a, this is a moment that could change really your outlook on life if you would just get this idea of forgiveness straight and then maybe for those I didn't just mention maybe you need to ask somebody to forgive you maybe that means calling somebody today maybe that means writing somebody a letter you know we're so quick to send a text 
put some thought into it and exercise forgiveness the way that our Heavenly Father has shown us an exemplified forgiveness through His Son. Father, we love You. We thank You. We thank You for Your Holy Word. We thank You for the fact that You are God and we are not. We thank You for the fact that Your ways are higher and holier than ours and that You have a time and this is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. This is a perfect time for all of us to come before Your throne of grace and mercy and to call upon Your holy name. So Father, I pray that we'll do that. That whether we need forgiveness, whether we need to extend forgiveness, or, or whether we need to seek forgiveness from you, God, I pray that you'll be honored and that you'll be glorified through this time of invitation. And we'll be careful to praise you for what you do, for it's in the precious name of your Son and our Savior we ask. Amen and amen.